Well, good morning, everybody. It is a joy for me to be here. Um, I just have to say from the outset, I have so much respect for each and every one of you. I'm thankful that you're here despite the weather. This lovely April showers bring May flowers. Um, well, a little bit about myself. Um, I'm married to one of the pastors here, Keith. We've been married for 28 years, and 26 of those years have been spent in ministry. We have seven children, ages 25 down to 11. Um, let's see, five of those would be in college. Uh, we're a homeschool family, so I've, we've homeschooled our children. And um, let's see, two girls will be, the oldest two will be graduating from college about a day apart this year. So that's, that's a real in, uh, exciting time for us. Um, so a little bit about myself and things that I enjoy. Um, if I'm not homeschooling or driving someone, teenager somewhere, um, you'd probably find me in my kitchen. I'm a real foodie. I enjoy hospitality, and I love hosting dinner parties. I don't think there's a better way to get to know someone than to have them in your home and uh, share a meal with them around your table. So that's really just something that I look forward to doing and that I do every chance I get. We do themed dinners and um, birthday parties. And so if there are any foodies here, I really would love to chat with you afterwards. Um, let's see, can I have a couple of ladies on each side of the room maybe just help me pass something out? Well, I do have a couple of books to give away. So is, is, has anyone had a birthday this week or in the last couple of weeks? Any? Okay, Ashley. And who, who's, whose birthday was this week? Anybody's? Anybody's? Closest to today? The 15th? Who's, is that you? Okay, and when, when was your birthday? It's the, the 20 what? The 23rd? Of March, okay, okay. So, I, I, and, and you're the 27th, okay. Well, then you're closer. Can you? I have. And while, while I give this book away, let me make a plug for it. It's called Atypical Woman: Free, Whole, and Called in Christ, and it's by Abigail Dodds. She writes for Desiring God and Crossway. I, I highly recommend that. And I have one more. Let's see, um, Michelle, you're expecting. So why don't you come? This is another one of my favorite books. It's called The Surprising Power of Family Meals. And I have a real passion for just establishing mealtime in our homes as, as best we can. It's going to be messy. It's not going to be with everyone having a napkin folded in their lap in this season. But, you know, there are so many wonderful opportunities that take place as a family around the table. And I've, I've used that in my own home as a, as a means of teaching my children manners, how to be others focused, how to use proper utensils, <laughs> wipe your mouth. You know, your shirt's not a Kleenex, your shirt's not a napkin, <laughs> it's in your lap. So um, anyway, Michelle, I hope you enjoy that book. It's got a, a lot of wisdom and I, I recommend that one as well. Um, well, before we begin, I did wanna share um, just a reminder of what a grace-filled setting this is. And I know you know that. You're coming to the end of a very fruitful MOPS year. And, but, you know, as a reminder, I just wanted to encourage us and the things that you're doing to, to excel in them all the more. 
it's easy to live independently and do a quick Google search. And this is, this is a real live example. Just this week, I received a text message from the sweetest little young mom who needed some help with getting her infant to sleep on her own. And so she said, you know, I've just been on YouTube and Googling things, and <laughs> it did make me chuckle a little bit because, you know, when I had little ones, that, that just wasn't even really an option to Google or YouTube how to get my newborn to sleep. But, you know, we live in, in a world that kind of promotes that. But I can't think of another season that benefits more from personal one-on-one -on -one inter interaction than the season that you're in. And this became alive to me, oddly enough, through reading through the Nativity this December. Um, Mary is a young woman. She's betrothed to Joseph, and she's, she's living righteously before the Lord. I mean, you know, Scripture says she was highly favored. And the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you know, Mary, you will conceive by the Holy Spirit, and you will bear a son. And then the angel visits Joseph and says the same thing. You know, Joseph was trying not to panic, trying to figure out a way to quietly divorce Mary for fear that she would be stoned. And so the angel visits Joseph. But you know, the Bible never says that Mary's parents received that same revelation. And I don't know, that just leapt out at me as I read it. It's like these were real people. They were young. And so the Holy Spirit nudges Mary to visit Elizabeth. And you know, when Elizabeth greeted Mary, she knew right away. She had revelation from the Lord, and she said, Mary, blessed are you amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And it's as if I saw Mary's shoulders just relax with ease. You know, Elizabeth was to Mary in real human form, a voice of confirmation to her, a voice of assuredness. And you know, sometimes life is hard. This season that you're in is hard. But can I tell you, it doesn't ever mean that we're out of bounds. It can be hard. It can be challenging. But, I mean, can we think of another person who was in the perfect will of God other than Mary? <laughs> I mean, if there was anybody that was fulfilling the will of God, it was Mary. And yet, can you imagine, okay, no, I'm not married. My belly is growing. How will I explain this? And yet God sends her to Elizabeth, an older woman. And so, you know, I just am wondering, do you have Elizabeths in your life? Maybe, maybe they're at the table with you. Maybe they're in this room. 25 years ago, this month, I had a nine-month-old baby. I was just found out that I was expecting my second child. And since it had just been Sophie and me, I had gotten into the habit of rocking her to sleep for every morning nap, afternoon nap, and bedtime routine. So with another baby on the way, I thought, okay, I've got to do something different. So I read some books, and I read some articles. You know, there, I didn't have a smartphone or any of that. I, I didn't even have a computer. Um, but how many of you know that the, the day that it was time for me to let Sophie cry it out for the first time, and one hour turned into two hours, I did not want to find a book, okay? <laughs> so I picked up the phone, and I called an Elizabeth. And that person in my life was Liz Widener. And I remember as clearly as if it were yesterday the things that she said to me. She said, you're doing the right thing. She said, why don't you step outside away from the screaming? Um, no baby has ever died from crying. You're going to be okay. Sophie's going to be okay. And you know what's even more precious to me is that now my nearly 26-year-old daughter is friends with Liz. 
And guess what? Sophie does not cry to go to sleep anymore. <laughs> so, you know, seek out. Seek out Elizabeths in your life. Go to them. I, I, I can tell you from experience, there is no greater joy as an, an older woman to give away what God has done in our lives. So this morning, I just have three encouragements to share with you. I, I really wrestled with a title, everything from Dear Younger Me, um, encouragements from someone farther down the road. Um, but, you know, these, these, are, these aren't deep philosophical principles. These are just things that have been worked into my life over the past 25 years of parenting. And I, I promise you, these probably aren't things that you haven't heard before. But if, if you're like me, I, I need to constantly be reminded of some of just the basic truths of why I'm a mom, why does this matter, so before I begin, can we just pray? Okay. Father, thank you so much that your word says that where two or three are gathered together, you are there in the midst of them. And Lord, you are never among us in a passive posture. Lord, you are always wanting to do something when your people gather together. And Lord, I know this morning is no different. Lord, you are here and you're, you are wanting to strengthen those who are weak among us. Lord, you're wanting to encourage the faint-hearted. Lord, by your spirit, you're wanting to overturn lofty ideas and arguments that have been raised against the knowledge of the truth. Lord, you want to strengthen us with fellowship. God, I ask that you would give us ears to hear what, what your spirit would want to say to us. Lord, open up our hearts to receive. Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so God, grant us the gift of illumination this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the first thing that I'd like to share with you is weakness is the new strength. I recently came across a definition for motherhood. It read, Mom, a woman who dies a thousand daily deaths to her preferences and sanity. Isn't that true? <laughs> Motherhood is this mysterious combination of incandescent joy and a thousand little daily deaths. We give up our bodies to carry babies, our free time to laundry and dinner prep, even our physical postures on a daily basis is one of humility bending over in service. I once wondered if there was a way for me to calculate how much of my life has been spent doing that, bending down, being low, being humble. And then I remembered, oops, I'm sorry. And then I remembered how Jesus condescended to me. But is this really what God had in mind for me? Death? Weakness, my life for someone else's, my dreams for theirs, self-sacrifice versus self-fulfillment? These are questions I had for many years, and I'm here to tell you God's word is where I found those answers. Colossians 3, 4 says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ. Set your mind on things that are above. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. But how do we do this? How do we live here as moms on earth 
with one eye to heaven, with the realization that our lives are hid there with Christ? How do we embrace weakness and a thousand little daily deaths with joy? Well, we do it by looking to Jesus and embracing the ways he uses every aspect of our mothering to renew our old self to his image. We do it by not believing that we are being squelched as we daily lay down our lives, that mothering is somehow second best and we're missing out. We are not being denied. Rather, we are being shaped. And Christ is our perfect example. Every single one of our daily sacrifices echoes the ultimate sacrifice that he made for us. He uses mothering to make us his image bearers. Now, I haven't always seen this as good or blessing. For me, if blessing is meant ease or wealth or having my expectations met, then great. I'll, I'll take that. But if it means dependency, weakness, self-sacrifice, loss, then spare me, Lord. But what if God's ideas of blessing in this season is different than ours? And what if he is sovereignly using our mothering to be the primary way that he conforms us to his image? Matthew 5, 2 through 11 says, And he opened up his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, the Greek word blessed in these passages is the word makro, which means to be fully satisfied. Now, listen again as I read that, those passages with this in mind. Fully satisfied are those who are poor in spirit. Moms, are you here today feeling empty, spent, depleted, needy? Well, God's word says that this is a blessed place. And it is the exact place that he has brought you. He has providentially limited you. Do you see that? He really has sovereignly limited you in this season. Do, do, you, do you wrestle with the thought that I, I don't have it all together, I can't do this? That's exactly where God has you. And being needy is a good thing. Fully satisfied are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Are you here today mourning your former life? <laughs> Does mothering feel more like a death sentence to you? Well, these passages tell us that blessing is anything that God gives us that reminds us of our dependency upon him, that reveals weakness in a way that causes us to look to him to be our strength. Now, if you're like me, Given a choice, I would rather appear strong together. But often we want to be strong in a way that reflects on us. Isn't that true? God wants us to be strong in a way that reflects on him and his power at work in us. He wants to be your strength. John Bloom says, We often find ourselves deeply discouraged by the very limitations and adversity that God has actually designed to cultivate in us courageous and liberating faith. If mothering reveals our neediness, and if it causes us to turn to him, then God has been most favorable to us. In the book, 
Atypical Woman, which is the book I gave this morning, Abigail Dodds wrote, in the intense years of mothering, God is molding us, bending us, stretching us, and even halfway through, we won't be who we were in the beginning. And that's a feature that God has put in motherhood, not a bug. If we were the same at the beginning as we were in, if we were the same at the end as we were in the beginning, something has run amok. God is in the business of transforming us, and mothering is an expedient way to rebuild us. The second thing I have to, to share is the importance of identifying idols of significance. Amen. Amen. An idol can be anything that we look to to satisfy or affirm us other than God. That's not going to bother me, by the way. <laughs> You're perfectly fine. Idols are misplaced idol, uh, idols are misplaced objects of trust that often surface when the layers of life get pulled back. I found the baby years to be full of these sorts of temptations as my heart seemed to be a breeding ground for idolatrous craving of significance. Every time we welcomed a, a new baby, the all too familiar feelings of isolation, feeling out of the loop, feeling like a non-contributor, well, these seem to be my closest companions. And to think there was no social media. I had nothing to scroll through on a daily basis to compare my life with. But I didn't want to be simply known as a birthing or a lactating machine. It's true, I had a mind, abilities, and thoughts. Even though it's true, the sleep deprivation somehow, sometimes um, prevented me from completing a, a good sentence. And I'm sure it's no different today. We live in a culture consumed with a desire to be a specialist at something that we can self-promote. And this feeds the idol of significance in our hearts. Now, I don't need to tell a room full of moms that mothering little ones happens in the most mundane places of life. It's in the kitchen, the nursery, the laundry room, the car, the soccer field. We are called to do many things at a very average level, and these won't necessarily garner attention. G.K. Chesterton wrote an article entitled The Emancipation of Domesticity. He says, there must be in every center of humanity one human being, being upon a larger plan, one who does not give her best, but gives her all. And I wasn't quite sure how that set with me for a while. I kind of had to read it a few for a few days to kind of let it work its, its way into my heart. But I'm going to read it one more time. There must be in every center of humanity, and this is speaking, the whole article speaking about the importance of motherhood. So think about just the history of, of what motherhood has meant to people in, in, our, in our society. There must be in the center of every humanity one human being upon a larger plan, one who does not give her best, but gives her all. As a mom, I have not been called to one thing that furthers me. I am called to a hundred things on any given day. I am not a specialist. I am very much a generalist. It may not be Instagram worthy, but there is a 
deeper soul satisfying joy knowing that my life and my role serves a larger plan. When we look at Christ's work for us, we see that he held nothing back. And the way that we give our all to our families mimics what he did for us in giving, us his, in giving his all. Some here today need to be liberated from trying to be the best from fighting for significance in these years and instead need to just be free to give your all to whatever God puts before you, making dirty things clean, making your house a home, training your little ones in righteousness. Nothing that Jesus did for us was half-hearted. He is our perfect example. Now, my best girlfriends know that I am the worst at laundry. It's never all done. I gave that up a long time ago. We just have learned to just step over piles. We just, you know, that's just what we do. And I, th I think it's because there's absolutely no artistic expression in laundry. I mean, nothing. You wash, fold, put away. So, you know, one point, this is a true story. Keith was like, sweetheart, I, I, I know laundry isn't on the top of your list, but I don't know, maybe you could figure out a way to like fold my underwear in a swan or something. <laughs> If you need some kind of artistic expression, maybe let's just try that. <laughs> but I didn't. But, you know, I, I trust God that somehow clean socks, and I didn't say matching, I said clean, are going to serve that college boy darting out of, of, of our house to go to class. That's just what I've said to my own soul. So if there's any way that I can just elevate the generalist among us today and just, you know, say, let's have some praise for the generalist, not the specialist. And I'm asking that maybe some up, someone could come up with like a, a t-shirt that says generalist and proud or something. <laughs> Jane of all trades or something. <laughs> okay, so the last thing I have to share is the importance of keeping a fresh vision before you. In every season of mothering, from toddlers to teen years, I have found great benefit in maintaining a vision for that season. Taking care of little children is hard. The teen years come with their own set of challenges. It's easy in the trenches to lose sight of the big picture that God is using you and me to communicate all that we know about God, the gospel, sin, redemption, and eternity to our sons and daughters. Does somebody need to get that? <laughs> oh! It's Grace! Hi, Grace. Oh, she just, oh, she FaceTimes me every day. I'm so sorry. Ah! <laughs> oh, gosh. She's probably trudging through the snow, bless her heart. Okay. So my soul, back to keeping a fresh vision, my soul needs daily reminders. And I mean daily. As to, okay, why am I doing this? And that should come in the form of scripture, devotionals, books, conferences, anything that speaks specifically to me in my season of mothering. And obviously I mean, by that I mean um, biblical. <laughs> Now, this doesn't mean that Wayne Grudem's systematic theology needs to be on, on your nightstand. 
but it does mean that we need to be wise and intentional about what is. And, and I, I know that scrolling is kind of the new book form, but, you know, moms, it, I think it's important to know your own heart in this season and to know, you know, how much can I manage scrolling every night before I go to bed, scrolling the first thing in the morning? What, what type of a tone does, does that, how does that set my day? In her book, Flourish, How the Love of Christ Frees Us from Self-Focus, Lydia Brownback wrote, humdrum joylessness often comes from what we take into our minds from the world. If we want to know true peace and joy, if we desire to be fruitful in our endeavors, it's imperative that we breathe the right spiritual air. So it is with our mothering, ladies. Are we feeding on that which will strengthen our calling? Or, or are we presenting ourselves to things that could potentially undermine it? Now, to ground ourselves, I think it's important to realize the day in which we are living. Few voices in the world will affirm the mission that God has called you to. How many of you know living your best life does not play well when your newborn won't latch properly or when you're waging war with your toddler? We must be discerning about any teaching that places self-love as our highest good. This will not serve you in this season, or quite frankly, in any season of our lives. In Colossians 1, Paul encourages the church to be rooted in truth so that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Dear moms, we have one opportunity to shepherd the children that he has given us. Seek out ways to nourish your soul in truth. Be vigilant about strengthening your calling. Keeping a fresh vision is an active posture. And in some ways, I would love to rescue you this morning from an unnecessary weight of giving you something else to do. But the truth is that the Bible uses words that places responsibility on us. And the good news is he supplies the grace. Scripture uses action words, like look carefully how you walk and make the most of your time because the days are evil. Colossians 4 says, see to it that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. So I've just written down a couple of practical ways for you to keep a fresh vision before you. This is not rocket science, but it, but it, is, it does take just doing it by the grace of God. Number one, relate to God. This looks like talking to God, lamenting before the Lord, sharing our complaints, seeking God's help, seeking forgiveness. Number two, reading God's word. You know, when I had little children, a lot of them, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a mops mom anymore. I don't have an infant, toddler, or preschooler, but I lived in that season for a very long time. I must be a slow learner. Because, you know, these things have just, I've, I've learned for a, a long seasons of this that, you know, reading God's word for me when I was in Bible college or right out of Bible college looked very different than when I was a, a mom with a newborn and toddlers. So someone shared with me because, you know, I, I did come under um, condemnation. You know, I mean, I was a, I w graduated from Bible college. I had studied scripture. I had journaled and, you know, had, had gone on missions trip and 
trips and had, you know, done ministry. But how many of you know that looked very different when my new mission field were around my feet? So uh, an older woman in my life shared with me, you know, don't come under an unnecessary burden. Now, she didn't ever say just it's fine not to read the Bible, but she did encourage me to as many places as I, I could have a Bible in as many rooms as I could. And when I was there nursing an infant or um, folding laundry, I just would grab a, a portion of scripture and just read maybe three or four verses, whatever I could to just, you know, and you know what it does? It tenderizes our hearts. You know, when we go days with this fallacy that we're self-sufficient, that we really can, we can, maybe, we can manage this, Oh, that's, that's a temptation that you don't want to give in to, ladies. You need the word of God, even in this busy, busy season of your life. Daily devotionals, something specific to your season are helpful. I have a daily devotional that I have had on my night table for years. I think I had it when I had four or five children, and I'm up to seven now. And it has, it has served me. It's called Daily Strength for Daily Needs by Mary Tylston. And it's just by date, and it's very much geared to serving, mothering, giving my life away. And I, I, I've just gleaned many things from it. I've, I've, I've screenshot things and sent it to friends. So those are just tools to set our, the tone of our day. Number four, seek out older women. Really do seek them out. You know, they, they love to go to coffee. They'd love to come to your house and help you fold laundry. I remember one time when I was very sick and pregnant, I had a friend come, and she's like, I'm taking all of your, you know, she called me, I'm, I'm coming, I'm going to take your laundry. She, so she knocks on my door, I open up the door, I'm just so green and so discouraged, and she's like, go put all the underwear back in there. <laughs> I know you took all the underwear out. <laughs> Seek out older women and let them help you. Number five, listen to worship music. Worship music is a way of, of softening our hearts. It tenderizes our hearts. Number six, attend mops. Invite other people to attend mop. This is just a beautiful setting for you to have your souls um, fed. Okay, so in closing, I mean, I'm in a room with a mom full of um, preschoolers, um, I, I, I want to read a little bit of the Velveteen Rabbit to you. I mean, we are getting close to Easter, and who doesn't love a good children's book, right? This is a story, just a little excerpt, about how a boy's love makes the rabbit real, and it reminds me of how motherhood makes us real. The setting is in the nursery, and this is a conversation that is between the skin horse and the rabbit. What Israel asked the rabbit one day when they were lying side by side near the nursery fender before Nana came to tidy the room. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you and a stick-out handle? Real isn't how you are made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt? asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you are real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked, or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become 
It takes a long time. And that's why it doesn't often happen to people who break easily or have sharp edges or who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you are real, you can't be ugly except to the people who don't understand. I suppose you are real, said the rabbit, and then he wished he hadn't said it, for he thought the skin horse might be sensitive, but the skin horse only smiled. The boy's uncle made me real, he said. That was a great many years ago. But once you are real, you can't become unreal again. It lasts forever and always. Thank you. Thank you so much.